welcome to Deep Bronx Podcast. Kevin Etheridge, Austin Etheridge here. We are coming at you. Unfortunately, Ian could not be with you, uh, be with us this week, uh, unfortunately. But uh, but we got a lot to discuss. Uh, Kevin uh, was absolutely um, in in euphoria, I'm sure, this past Thursday as he was actually in attendance at the uh, 45-10 blowout of the Cardinals. So, Kevin, why don't you tell us about that experience? So, for our regular podcast listeners, and oh, by the way, uh, good to hear from you, Austin, and uh, and we'll get we'll get Ian on here next week, of course. But I was out yep. there in Phoenix with my brother and some other family members. And, of course, uh, I say of course because I think most people listening know this. My brother is a hardcore Cardinals fan, and he's been a Cardinals fan since he was a, 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 a little boy, just like I've been a Broncos fan going back uh, forever. So it was kind of a brother versus brother thing. And uh, in this particular head-to-head, older brother, me, the Broncos fan, <laughs> almost always wins. Almost right? always has come out on top So that matchup. My brother, I mean, with the, with the history, right now it's they've played. I think it's eleven times. Broncos have won nine, lost one, and tied one. Nine, one, and one. Yeah. Uh, my Bronco, my brother, just walking into the stadium, you could see his shoulders were slumping, like he was getting ready to be defeated. Well, I think uh, he was probably also defeated by the sixty percent ratio of Broncos fans in Phoenix. Now, he, I was shocked because uh, for any anyone who's been to that stadium, it's actually in Glendale, Arizona, just outside Phoenix. But over the last several years, they've constructed um, this really nice sort of entertainment center. It's like a little district of stores and restaurant, it's restaurants. It's called, I think it's Westfields Entertainment District. But it's right outside the stadium. And like I say, a bunch of bars and restaurants, just a good time. And we went over there because we got to the stadium super early. I'm looking around, and it's, man, oh, man, there's at least 60% of the people there in card, I mean, in Broncos jerseys. And uh, it, it was so much, it, it was such a heavy Broncos crowd. Even my brother, you know, had to acknowledge it. Now, a couple things here. Broncos have a lot of fans across the country uh, that, in combination with the fact that the Cardinals don't have a lot of fans, not even in Arizona, because they've only yeah. been there. They've been there 30 years. I think it takes multi-generations to really develop a solid fan base. And they haven't really won much. And then, yeah. the, and then the final thing is, if you think about it, before the Cardinals were in Phoenix, there was only one professional football team in the mountain um, time range. That's the Broncos. And it was, it was Denver, yep. So I think a lot of Arizona uh, residents are – and have been Broncos fans. Well, so. generationally, that's probably what their parents were mm-hmm. because because the Cardinals have only been there like 30 years or whatever. So I think generationally, they probably grew up Broncos fans. And then when the Broncos or the Cardinals came to town, it was like, oh, cool, but we're still Broncos fans, you know? So I think that probably played into it. But obviously there was a, there was a meltdown of epic proportions that happened in that stadium in Glendale on that night. Uh, and it was not the Broncos that melted down. Um, started on the second play of the game. What was your reaction to that second play of the game? Well, 
obviously elated. It happened uh, on my side of the field. We were sitting about 20-yard line extended uh, at that end zone where the first touchdown occurred. Perfect. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, the ball was tipped by Derek Wolf. It was just floating in the air like a big balloon, just floating and floating. And uh, it was uh, number 51 uh, picked it up. Todd right? Davis. His, yeah. fir- his first interception and his first touchdown – and uh, I remember it was a good run, and he got tackled, and he kind of leaned and got the ball across, and I think they, they, uh, they reviewed it. But um, at that moment, I mean, the crowd went crazy. Again, we're on the road, and the crowd's going crazy because <laughs> it's all Broncos fans. I, I, and, the, and the Cardinals players just really looked defeated, um, and I just had a feeling that it was going to be a long night for the Cardinals, and it was. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when I saw that. When I saw that play, I was like, first of all, the timeout. First of all, they had to take the timeout on the second play of the game when you know they had a game script of 20, ga- 20 plays or whatever Good point. going yep. into it. And and they, they, they had to call a timeout on the second play of the game because they couldn't get lined up. That, that first of all, that was the first sign that the, uh, that the Cardinals were a little lost in this game, even being at home. They were lost, and that that uh, was the beginning of the meltdown for sure. I think uh, defense obviously shined in this game. Um, two pick sixes, one later in the half by uh, by by my favorite, Chris Harris Jr. I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of people's favorite player nowadays, but definitely my favorite player, uh, current uh, Bronco, Chris Harris Jr. Uh, intercept, intercepted a ball that looked like the guy the guy just stopped running on. Is that I mean? It looks like I think it was JJ Nelson, uh, the receiver. It looked like he just stopped running to uh, on toward the toward the ball, and then Chris Harris was just kind of sitting there with it. It was able to return it all the way. High five, Todd Davis, on the way to the end zone. And I was like, this game is this game is done. Like, it don't matter what happens in the second half. This game is over because that was also after the um the touchdown that Sanders threw to. Cortland Sutton, which yep. I thought was a crazy play. And Cor- um, Cortland Sutton made a great grab there, didn't he? Oh, it was a great catch. However, I will say about that that play, uh, probably would have saved that for next week or you know this coming this coming Sunday mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. I think that's a play you keep in your pocket until uh, a game that you don't already have well in hand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And just a couple. Uh statistical anomalies about the Broncos and the Cardinals. And, and this really just go to how dominant the Broncos have been and, and how sorry I actually feel, feel for my brother at this point. Uh, w- we attended the game in four years ago in 2014. Uh, Cardinals played in Denver and we were all out there, including my brother. And uh, in that game, the Broncos won big. It was something like 42 to 17. And, mm. uh, <laughs> In Peyton Manning's illustrious career, he had lots of big games. No game bigger than that one. He set a personal record for all-time yardage against the Cardinals. We were there. Yep. Like, like 450-some-odd yards, I believe, from memory. Um, the Broncos set an all-time franchise record for offensive yards in a regular season game, or in any game for that matter. Yep. And we were, we were there against the Cardinals. Demarius Thomas... Uh, all-time record single-game receiving yards, personal record, like 230 yards. Personal and that, record and, I believe, record for the Broncos. 
Good point. Now, in this game, this past weekend, or last week, it was a Thursday nighter, of course, uh, mm-hmm. 35 to 3 at halftime. That's the, yes. big, that's the biggest home deficit the Cardinals have experienced since 1940. Oh, my God. And by the way, that's the, they were the they were the Chicago Cardinals Chicago back then. Chicago Cardinals. They went Chicago time. to St. Louis to Arizona. So you know, my brother has to witness this: the worst halftime deficit since 1940, and then it was the worst home loss in terms of uh, point differential in the history of that stadium. Yes. So it was uh, an annihilation, and and actually, I thought the score was closer than the actual game was. <laughs> so, it was I mean, I mean it was it was truly an annihilation and and a lot of a lot of the talk this week has been okay is that is that how bad the Cardinals are or is that the talent of the Broncos actually showing and I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think uh I don't think the Cardinals against most teams are so bad that they're going to get blown out by uh 30 points, but I also don't think the Broncos are that good that they're going to that they can really dominate that team with with much frequency, or any team with that much frequency. So I think I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. As you know, as I've talked with you, I I, I personally believe that the Broncos have a very talented team in terms Agreed. of the players on the team. I'm saying I think top ten, at least top half for sure, top ten probably in the league for talent. But they just don't have the right coaching, and they don't have the people and the leadership that are that that can carry them. And then, as I was telling you, you can't have, you can't you can't win with only talent or only coaching. You gotta have both. Yeah, I agree. It's just not sustainable to win with only one or only the other. You have to have both. So, um, but I think anyone anyone who pays any attention to to football at all, who has any intelligence, on, you know, w- when it comes to football would be able to tell you that the coaching has been a problem ever since Vance Joseph uh, got to Denver. So, so yeah, I, I think that that's, that's where the issue lies. And I think, again, that the truth of the Broncos is somewhere in between the 45 to 10 shellacking and, uh, and where the record currently sits. So, um, and I, I will say one, I will say one thing we, we, we should, we should comment on Mike McCoy, the two, time offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Yes. Let's just be thank one of the one of the only really great decisions that Vance Joseph ever made was correcting a bad decision that he made, which was bringing Mike McCoy onto his staff last year. Yes. Vance Joseph fired him or maybe it was John Elway that ultimately fired him on um I think it was August I think it was like October 19th last year. And then this year the Cardinals hire him and fire him on October 18th. He, he was fired back-to-back years and three times in two years, if you include the San Diego head coach firing. That guy's had a rough, rough stint. But our offense was so pathetic last year, three and out, three and out, doing the same thing in Arizona. How can a guy just, with that much experience in the NFL, just forget how to call offensive plays? It's unbelievable I how don't. boring and bad and ineffective – he is as a, a player. I don't know. It doesn't make sense because, uh, well, it 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 just doesn't make sense. I don't know if he's been trying to do new things or trying to impl- uh, uh, employ different um, types of systems or, I I just don't know. I don't know. But 
it, it seems if I, it seems that the this that first time head coaches have a draw to hiring uh, Mike McCoy uh, with yeah, true. Joseph and Wilkes uh, Steve Wilkes doing the same uh, same thing in back to back years. So I yeah I don't know. I remember when we when we hired him, we were all pretty excited when we hired him back. We were all pretty excited because, um, you know, because the last experience we had with him was 2012 with the, with Peyton Manning, of course, and then the year prior to that with doing, you know, what what it appeared was making something out of nothing with Tim Tebow. Uh, it's at least how it appeared, but uh, maybe the offense would have been even better under a different offensive coordinator, and we just didn't I, realize it. I agree. So effectively, the Broncos fired him twice in two years right because that game got him fired against us yeah we are ultimately the reason and by the way von miller comes out he comes out and basically starts trash talking how he's going to kick the cardinals butt yeah he didn't say butt of course and then uh it made me a little bit nervous right i don't know necessarily like that kind of talk but he backed it up, and then you know, I think we talked about it uh, prior to the podcast. It came out it, that it was it, premeditated. Premeditated. He he coached up his uh, defensive, uh, you know, uh, colleagues or, or teammates, and they said, yeah, we've got your back. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, he essentially asked them for permission to say it. And it was, it was I guess, you know, just able to bring some swagger and some confidence back uh, to the defense and – Man, it looked like it had an effect. I mean, it, as 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 long as the Cardinals are not typically that bad, it looks like it had an effect. So, I'm not mad about it if he's going to premeditate it, talk to his guys first, come out and say it, and it's going to have that kind of effect. I'm I'm all for it as long as it has. Now, hopefully, they'll have that same confidence going into Kansas City. It in Kansas City. Uh, no less because that is a damn good team uh, to say the least in terms of their offense. And, and we saw what they did to us last time we get a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter and blow it. Um, I know. I so know. And by the way, and by the way, yes. And, and we'll get on to the chiefs game here. No doubt. But uh, you know, Von Miller is not a fool, right? He, he's not going to come out with that kind of trash talk heading into KC or against the Rams or against, you know, a good team. He saved it for the Cardinals. (laughs) He he, he didn't stick his neck out too far on that one. But uh, it it is a little uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, he's not typically a talker like that. But I also think it kind of points to the team's lack of confidence in the coaching staff, and I guess specifically Vance Joseph, that they have to seek these artificial means. Yeah. to to get themselves inspired and pumped up because I don't think Joseph does it for him. No, I don't think so. I don't I don't think that he knows how. To be honest with you, he was I mean he was not even a defensive coordinator for more than a year prior to becoming a head coach. I think uh, I just think it was a bad hire, bad decision, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. Of course, it's not like a you know I mean you you look at the opposite and like a Sean McVay of the Rams who's only 32 33 now is one of the best coaches in the NFL so like I guess you know there's kind of the high risk high reward when it comes to hiring a guy that doesn't have uh, as much experience um, uh, doing that kind of thing so I guess they decided to 
take a chance and it obviously unfortunately has not has not paid off uh at all but i do want to i do want to turn our attention to well first of all okay so he not only did the team back him up but von miller himself went nuts in this game i mean two forced fumbles he had that one that was called back uh mm-hmm. the one that they called back and said it was a forward pass only to come back two plays later and, and force another fumble um the guy just was looked like a man on fire, and everyone's talking about how, oh, you know, he's gone quiet these past few games. You know, Von Miller's not Von Miller. And I think I, I was getting frustrated with how little his production was against teams where we really needed him, like the Rams or what have you. Um, but, man, he showed that he still got it, and now he, uh, at least pending the game that's going on right now, um, he – does lead the league in sacks now with seven and a half. And then Bradley Chubb has come on alive the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's got five and a half now to lead all rookies. So pass rush looks like it's coming alive, but it needs, it needs to stay alive against a team like Kansas city. Uh, that's for sure. Um, especially. Yeah. With- and go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to tell you just, just, you know, you're talking, you, you sort of asked the question earlier, you know, are the Cardinals that bad or are the Broncos, you know, that good all of a sudden, I think there was a little bit of a desert mirage here, and uh, I'm not suddenly thinking the the Broncos are going to make a run for the playoffs. Uh, I I think that's a little bit of fool's gold. Uh, I think the Cardinals really are that bad, um, and I think the car I think the Broncos, even any NFL team, can pull pull it together and uh, and just play a great game on an emotional high. And and they just did it. They they pulled it together. The, the ball was bouncing their way, um, and uh, they 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 won over a really really bad team. So I do think the Chiefs game is has the potential to be season changing, uh, meaning we go in there and beat them. Now next podcast we're saying hey maybe we. We've turned the corner here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll save our predictions for the end of the podcast. But uh, but I, as I sit here right now, I, I think we're still the same Broncos team we've been watching for the last year and a half. We just happened to pull off a really good game against a bad opponent. Yeah, I yeah I don't know. I just I mean I I I think that you're right. Uh, like I said, I I certainly don't think that suddenly they're this incredible incredibly great team. Um, with this coaching staff or anything. I don't think that's the case. I said, I felt like it was somewhere in the middle. Felt like uh, the truth uh, was somewhere in the in-between there. And I think that's true because, truth truth be told, I mean, we did end up losing the games against Kansas City and L.A. But Close games. both of those games were games that in which you could argue the Broncos outplayed the other team. Now, Kansas City, they came storming back in the fourth quarter after we had a 10-point lead, uh, so we end up blowing the end of that, but part of that was um, a Keenum misfire to win the game uh, in the in the waning seconds when Demaryius Thomas was wide open, so uh, that's there's that with that game, and then we're and then in the Rams game, we're one Emmanuel Sanders taunt away from winning that game, you know, if we have one less Emmanuel Sanders taunt, we probably win that game too, because uh, you put four points back on the board instead of uh, the three that we ended up getting, and uh, that would put us uh, with a win over them, 20, uh, 27-23, or 24-23, I'm sorry. Um, yep. So, and those are, and, and, and 
everyone, I think it's pretty much general consensus now uh, that at least at this point, the Rams are the best team in the NFL. And Casey is probably in the top three or four. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. And we played and we did play them tough. And those are teams that, um, and those are not, those are games that we literally should have won, not just played close. You know what I mean? So again, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. So I don't, I don't think we're, I don't think we're a five and 11 team like we were last year. Uh, I think, I mean, realistically, probably eight and eight ish, but I think, th- I think it all depends on this coaching staff and, and how the leadership, if the leadership comes around, if the, uh, if somebody takes control of this locker room and then you can, I've seen crazier things happen, but, 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 by the way, um, I guess we'd be negligent if we didn't talk about our, uh, our former backup quarterback, Chad Kelly. You mean is that the guy you're uh, referring to? That's the guy. He was our our hope, right? Our our, our future franchise guy. I suddenly. don't know that I was ever on board with that train, but I know that you guys were. <laughs> we were feeling we were feeling good about him, and uh, so I felt real good about did... him against fourth stringers for sure. Well, I mean, listen, <laughs> the guy, the the the, the guy. Uh, I think the general consensus coming out of college. Was he was a second, third round talent? I mean, he did some really great things at, at Mississippi. You usually, the, don't the, draft re- a guy in the third round to be your franchise guy. Well, there are a lot of quality NFL quarters that weren't quarterbacks that weren't drafted in the first round, and and he so so he was a really good player in the SEC. Beat Alabama, put up big numbers against Alabama, uh, had the strongest arm in the NFL draft, accurate. I mean, he's got all the tangibles that you would want in an NFL quarterback. I don't think anyone would deny that. It's the intangibles. He's the anti-Tebow, um, right? He got into barroom fights. He was kicked off Clemson. That was his first college team. So the reason he wasn't drafted until – the Broncos took him with the last pick in the seventh round, the last pick in the draft, was because of character concerns. Now, it looks like the NFL pegged him properly. The guy has some sort of behavioral problem Dude's or mental problem or psychological <laughs> issue. So now, and I love the story, right? I mean, Chad Kelly's sitting out there, second, third round talent, and uh, the Broncos have the last pick in the draft. So, John Elway calls up Chad's uncle, Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. Yep. And uh, and and uh, John Elway and and Jim Kelly came out of the famous class of, uh, you know, the draft class of 1983, both first rounders. But uh, apparently they're good friends. And uh, so Elway calls him and says, "Jim, tell me about your uncle. You know, is he a good kid? Nephew, Jim." Nephew, sorry, nephew, sorry. <laughs> and, and and Jim Kelly sticks his neck out. He says he's a good kid. And based on that, Elway took a chance on the guy. Now, in hindsight, what's Jim Kelly going to say? What's he going to – you know, his uncle is, is going to have to – you know, most uncles are going to say, yeah, he's a good kid, right? Yeah. I'm sure Jim Kelly really believes he's a good kid. But uh, unfortunately, turned out the guy still has problems. I mean, what he did was not normal. I mean, absolutely not normal. And he's actually lucky he wasn't killed. I mean, he broke into someone's home, a stranger's home in a neighborhood, sat on the sofa, was mumbling incoherently to himself, 
if the, with no the homeowner find in his in his veins. No alcohol. Now, if the homeowner was also a gun owner, Chad Kelly could have been killed on the spot. Yeah. And 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 I don't think the the, the homeowner would have been charged with manslaughter. No. Um. So instead, the homeowner had a vacuum cleaner and whacked him over the head, and, and Chad Kelly left the place. But the, alcohol was not involved. By the way, Von Miller hosted a a player's party Halloween party uh, that night. Halloween party that month. It wasn't sanctioned by the Broncos. This was a Von Miller deal, and apparently it was um, set up in such a way to absolutely minimize the chances that any player was going to get caught with a DUI. What they were doing is they were checking the players at the door. If the players had a ride, they had a limo, they had an Uber. In other words, they didn't arrive in their own vehicle, then they were allowed to drink. If... If they arrived in their own vehicle, meaning they were driving home, they were giving a given a yellow wristband, meaning they were not going to be served alcohol at that party. Mm-hmm. Which was which br- I thought which was, was brilliant by Von Miller. Brilliant by Miller, and so Chad Kelly's got the yellow wristband because he drove to the party. He didn't have a drop of alcohol, so he he came up. up, up upon his sort of mental instability naturally. It wasn't as a result of alcohol. I feel bad for the the guy. I call him a kid. I think he's only 24. I feel bad for him. I really feel bad for Jim Kelly, his uncle, who must be really embarrassed by this. And Jim Kelly's dealing with throat cancer. Um, so it, it's sad. It really is sad. I, I, I hope and pray that Chad Kelly gets gets his life together because you know he subsequently was released. I think I think Elway did the Broncos did the right thing. I mean they had to. Um, the, you know you, you can't endorse this kind of behavior. You, they had to take a strong stand and they did. It's easy to do with a backup quarter at, quarterback as opposed to a franchise quarterback, but they they made the right decision here. Oh, I agree, and I think I think I think we both predicted that when when the story came out that they were uh, ultimately going to. Uh, release him um now of, of course you know we did we did i think all of us did get a little bit excited i think me lesser so than other broncos fans but we all did get a little bit excited about his performance in the preseason about uh what his potential could be and uh and whatnot but but you know he had the character issues and the character concerns coming out of college for a reason uh, and you've seen some guys turn that around, and other guys just they just don't. And it seems uh, with the circumstance that happened, it wasn't something that seemed like he was, um, you know, trying to do anything violent or trying to really trying to hurt or offend anyone. I think he just, just lost his mind. You know, I yeah, think he he's he lost his mind, and he just needs help. And certainly going to say my prayers for him and hope that he can get right get right on track but but it ain't going to be with the broncos it, and it may, may not be with the nfl uh at all so no um no. he needs to step away from the game focus on getting getting his head straight and yeah that's get some that's help. much and, much more important in this in this kind of a scenario so 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 on, on, on that happy note we can talk about paxton lynch right so paxton lynch first round <laughs> draft pick paxton lynch is with the team this year oh, all paxton. the way through the final or all the way through the final game. 
So you got Paxton Lynch is out of the NFL. Yeah. No one signed signed the guy. No. He's a former first-round pick from only two years ago, and he's unsigned, and he's out, you know, probably looking for work, I guess. Who knows what he's doing? But he – so he must have seen this news story, right? Oh, he had to. Uh, He had to. So, you know, he's he's sitting at his home in Memphis or Florida, wherever he's – maybe still in Colorado – He's probably got his cell phone charged in the wall. He's and he's just staring <laughs> at it. He's like, I know the Bronxers are gonna he's call. He's waiting they, for the call. <laughs> he's just staring and staring. He's like, he he's not even going to sleep. He just doesn't want to take <laughs> any chance whatsoever. He's ignoring knocks on the door. He's ignoring other phone calls coming in. And then he and then guess what? No call. No, no call. call. Broncos signed so, Garrett Grayson. <laughs> quarterback no, from uh, New Orleans. Oh, what a heartbreaker. What a heartbreaker. He probably was. He was probably so stoked. Like, oh, I know the playbook. They could bring me right back. It would be one fell swoop. Wouldn't even have to re-teach uh, me the or relearn a playbook. It would be so great. Never gets the call. I wonder if he called them. Like, like please, give me a chance. I know the playbook. <laughs> oh, he, he, he probably – he probably called Elway's office and he went to voicemail. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, Mr. Uh, Mr. Elway, this is uh, Paxton Lynch, uh, former first-round draft pick that showed a lot of promise. Um, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been jogging and trying to keep in shape. But for, I'm really sorry, really sorry to hear about Chad Kelly. But just to let you know, I'm still in the area. Um, you know, I've got, I still have directions to. Uh, to the uh, the headquarters, the Bron- you know, sort of programmed in my GPS. I can be there, you know, in a flash. Give me a call, just you know. And of course, Elway just deletes it as soon as just, he hears the guy's voice. Yeah, <laughs> just immediate deletion. Doesn't even consider it. Oh, he probably sent a text like, "Hey, uh, just wanted to thank you guys for the opportunity. <laughs> uh, it was really appreciated. Unfortunately, things didn't work out. You know, just trying to get his name back into their into their minds, so it'll look low key." But oh, you know, actually, we might we might need you again, you know? Oh man, what a what a bum! I'm just kidding. <laughs> Poor yeah. guy. So hey, but I know. Hey, listen, uh, you know, th- when's the trade deadline? October thirtieth. So there's rumors out there about some Broncos players, right? There are, there are. I think sure. uh, there's been rumors about multiple of them. I think only one of them carries much weight, um, and that would be Demaryius Thomas. Biggest, so what do you think? Go uh, go ahead. No, so, so what, what's your feelings about them trading Thomas or anyone else? Oh man, well, I think the outcome of this game against Kansas City uh, might largely play into into effect with that. I think if they lose this game, they might decide to sell sell the house. But you know, I I think I I think did one of the rumors. Let's 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 do, let's attack the uh, one of the rumors has been Chris Harris Jr. Um, which would be absolute lunacy in my opinion. Um, not yet 30 on a team-friendly deal, a very team-friendly deal. Um, all pro quarterbacks do not grow on trees, so unless you're doing a fire sale where you're cutting Vaughn Miller, you're cutting Harris, you're cutting anyone who's not exceptionally long-term, unless you're doing that, there's absolutely no logic to trading uh, Chris Harris at this point. Um, and I don't think that that will happen. I think that's very unlikely. Uh, as far as Demaryius Thomas, I think that one carries a little bit more weight just because they did draft Cortland Sutton, 
Um, who, he's looking great. Looking he great. Is, he's looked great, but he's he's got a much higher percentage of drops this year than Thomas does. Thomas has more drops, but on about seven times as many targets. Um, Cortland Sutton has dropped a pass in almost every game he's played so far. Um, so a lot of a lot of fans have had the uh, complaints about Thomas's drops. I'm very excited about Cortland Sutton. Um, but I don't think he's going to solve that issue if, if that's what people are thinking. Um, and another reason I think that carries some weight to it, uh, the trade rumors, is the fact that he's got a large amount of money coming his way over the next two years. And God, he, 19 million next, 17 this year, 19 next year. If he's on the roster next year, it accounts for 10% of our cap. And, he, and he's a 31-year-old wide receiver who is – his best years are behind him for sure. Um Good guy. I think, you know, he took us to a couple Super Bowls. He's not an all-pro player anymore. His production is declining. Uh, and if and I really do believe that, uh, you know, everybody's tradable other than a franchise quarterback, you know. But every <laughs> it depends on what they are. They're going to listen to offers. you got to think about who – okay, so first of all, I can already tell which direction you're hoping for. Um, but second of all – well, it depends on what we get for him, but it, it is a cold, cold business. It's about getting the best players at the least amount of money to, to stock your roster. And right now, we're not going to the Super Bowl with or without Demarius Thomas this year or next year because we really don't have the quarterback. For us to really get back on track and be a contending team every year, we'd better find a franchise quarterback. You can't trade for him. You can only hope to draft for them. So if the Broncos can stack up, I mean, the, the Raiders have three first-round draft picks now. We do also year. we do also have to consider the fact that 33% of our Super Bowl victories came without a franchise quarterback. Well, I mean, if you look at the history of the NFL, <laughs> if, if, if you look at the history of the NFL. I'm just saying, probably, you know, I'm just no, saying. Pa- Peyton, Manning, Peyton Manning's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he wasn't that year. year. Everyone knows that. But in leadership, he was he was he was, he was a below average quarterback. But but it, so in the intangibles, the leadership. Yes, is, he still no, had. I'm not. And the play, I, I, and the, of course, I I and that year I was one of the ones defending him the whole time. I'm not I'm not taking that away from him. But but that 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 was not a victory we got on the strength of a of a quarterback. But but uh, but sure. if you look at if you look at the NFL, certainly in the modern era. The teams that consistently win and are consistently in contention, not hot for one year maybe, but those teams that are consistently good have elite quarterbacks. Not that it's never happened without an elite, but you don't put your money there. You put your money with the elite quarterback. So I think the Broncos so you're ta- are looking- So I assume that you're speaking on the ones who are true get to the Super Bowl with frequency, correct? No, I'm just saying elite quarterbacks, guys that are considered top five. No, top but you're you're talking about teams that get there are ones that have franchise quarterbacks, correct? And, and so More, that's why I'm that's why I'm asking you to clarify. You you are referring to teams that make the Super Bowl with frequency. No, no. What I said was teams that are consistently in con- playoff contention, consistently in playoff contention. But the Broncos have, have been consistently in playoff contention between the Elway and the Manning years. They were consistently in playoff contention, just not consistently in Super Bowl contention. So that's why, that's why I asked you to clarify, because if you're talking about 
playoff contention, then I would disagree with you. If you're talking about Super Bowl contention, I would be much more inclined to agree with you on that statement. Because there's been many teams that are consistently in playoff contention, but not uh, but not in Super Bowl contention. So so point taken. So I think if we're going to get back in the Super Bowl contention, we need to find our, our, our quarterback. We're not going to trade for the guy. We're probably going to draft him, and it's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. We didn't we didn't draft one this year, even though we had the fifth overall, and we, we didn't see our guy there. So yeah. maybe, that's a good, maybe that was a good call. Uh, we'll know over the next few years. But – you know, next year, if the team, you know, goes five and eleven or has a losing record, and we're able to trade some talent and stack some second rounders, third rounders, fourth rounders, where we can package and really aggressively move up in the draft next year, then I think that could be really good for us long term. Yes, but I, I, I just don't see that happening with uh, with this scenario. Um, I'm not saying that it can't happen. Um, but it really depends on if you're if you're someone who's ready to completely blow it up or not. That's I mean that's that's where you have to lie. You have to you have to lie. Okay, let's trade let's trade everybody and get all these draft picks. Or you think that you're a little bit away, whether it's a good coaching staff or or what have you. If you think that your team is not talented and you got to blow up the guys who are talented, then okay. But it, would you say that that's where you would be at with the Broncos? I would selectively move guys. And here's the guys I would move. I would move Brandon Marshall. We've got Josie Jewell. Yeah, I don't Brandon I don't Marshall. necessarily disagree with Brandon Marshall. All right, so here's a guy I'd move. I'd move guys where I think we could get some value for him. Mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall, gone. We, we, we've got a good linebacking core, and Josie Jewell, I think, is, is – Yeah, is I, I, don't, good, I don't disagree future. with that one. So Brandon Marshall goes. We also deal Shane Ray. Shane Ray and um, Shaquille Barrett are heading into contract years. We're not going to sign both of them. Barrett's the better uh, of the two. Barrett's the better to deal Shane Ray, get a third or fourth rounder, whatever we can get for. Yeah, if, that's I two don't guys. Know if he that's get that much, but yeah. That that's two. This gets something for him because next. Year oh, I agree. I agree. I agree that that's a guy that should be over the trade. The next the next guy I would trade, particularly if we can get any kind of value, uh, is is um, um, our wide receiver. Oh, Demarius Thomas. <laughs> Sorry, brain freeze. Yeah, Demarius Thomas. I, let's get something while we still can. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's thir- he's thirty years old. He, he's um, he's on the wrong side of thirty. He's he commands a huge paycheck. Um, we're not going to get anything for him next year at 19 million. If we can get something from him this year from a contending team, uh, uh, listen, the uh, the Raiders just got a first round draft uh, pick for our Armani Toomer. Now we're not going to get a first round for Thomas. Armani Cooper, yeah, he's too old. But I don't know if we get. A, would you trade him for a third round, or would you trade him for a starting tight end? I mean, what would you trade him for? I don't know. Point? I but think I, I think that's hard to say because I don't I don't see any teams in the market that are willing to trade for him. Uh, I really don't. I don't see anyone that's the only team that I can cons- that I would feel like has a decent shot at at least trying to trade them would be the Miami Dolphins, because you have to consider teams that are in contention, and you have to consider teams who have not already gone. Like you, Cowboys are out, Patriots are out. Like those. Well, they, I, they... I would li- I would listen. We got 32 teams out there. All we need is one to make a reasonable offer. So I w- I would trade him. And other than that. 
Oh, I would also consider move. I would I would also consider moving Bradley Roby. Um, he's adding he's entering a contract year, right? Yeah, we'll get Brandon Langley in there instead. That'll be fun. Well, let's see what we can get from him. I'd, I would I would entertain offers for Roby, and he's been torched regularly this year. Although he did play well against the Cardinals, that was probably the game um, of his life, honestly. Yeah, Chris Harris, uh, I agree with you. He's 29. I think he's got at least two or three good years. Team friendly deal. Uh, yeah, I would like to keep him unless we just got blown away with a crazy good offer. But uh, it would have to be really, really good. I think he stays, and I hope he stays. But the other guys, I think, are expendable, the ones I listed. Um, I was reading an article fairly recently about the possibility of Demarius Thomas being traded, and, and it broke down um, – it broke down basically, okay, who who are the teams that could possibly go out and get Demarius Thomas? Kind of broke that down. Because I do think out of out of those guys, out of uh, those guys, he, he was probably the most widely talked about and the most likely. I do think that – I don't think it would be a bad thing to – I think it would be a good thing actually to trade Shane Ray. No offense to Shane Ray, but – we do have Chubb and Miller, obviously, as the starters, and Shaq Barrett is 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 the better uh, is the better of the two backing them up. Um, so I I I do I I do think that trading Brandon Marshall or Sean Ray uh, could potentially be beneficial uh, for the Broncos, but I just don't see them as very likely. I don't see them as um, something that really would happen. Um, but Thomas. The one team that they were talking about was, and it went through it went through division by division in the NFL and broke down why it was exceptionally unlikely for each team to trade for Thomas. The only one that was left of all 31 other teams that had any likelihood of trading for him was the Miami Dolphins. And so, I mean, it doesn't make sense for, like, a team like the Browns, for instance. That's been a name that's been talked about. It doesn't make sense for the Browns to trade for a receiver with that kind of contract with that age because they're still a long way away. It doesn't make sense unless they think they're a a contender this year or next. It doesn't make sense for a team like them to trade for them. So then you got it. So you pretty much eliminate every team with a losing record this year who doesn't feel like they're going to rebound. Okay. Then you take the other, and, the, and then you take teams that have a good one or two top receivers. You probably eliminate those, okay? Whether or not they are a winning record or a losing record, and then you take away teams like Dallas or Josh Gordon uh, or Patriots or whatever because they just traded for top tier receivers. So, well, can I throw can I throw two teams at you? Go for it. Green Bay Packers. Okay. Uh, I mean, you've got. I mean, why wouldn't they they go for him with the, with the quarterback that they have? And they've had some injuries with the wide receiving core, and they're in Super Bowl win now mode. I think he'd be a great signing for the Packers. Um, I see them in the mix, and the other team I see in the mix is the 49ers. A couple reasons. Um, you've got uh, their quarterback who's out this year, but will be back next year, and they they're really high on him. They got a good core uh, in terms of roster. You got. Uh, Shanahan as the coach with Denver ties, uh, that may or may not be a factor. But you also have uh, the 49ers have like 69 or $70 million in salary cap money for next year. They could easily afford this guy. Um, so I think, I think those are two teams uh, other than the Dolphins, and I agree with you on the Dolphins, that could jump in the fray. 
Yeah, I think, and and again, I, I, so I mean, I wish I had that article pulled up. I wish I could remember the exact article, but uh, one of the teams that was brought up, of course, was the Packers, and why that may or may not have been a good idea. Um, but again, I was left. I left that article fairly convinced that the Dolphins were really the only team that had that would that would pull the trigger with that. And it sounds like now the reports coming out now is this is probably not going to happen. So the reports as of today have been, okay, this is probably not going to happen. It's probably safe uh, that it's that t- Thomas is going to stay with the Broncos. Um, All right, go ahead. Hey, 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 Austin, just real quick, I'm gonna. I've got a, I'm up against a hard out here in about uh, four or five minutes. So um, and let me see here. Yeah, sorry for the podcast listeners. This this should be off the air. But uh, we're about 44 minutes in. I'm going to have to wrap this up just yeah, probably next uh, two or three minutes. Actually. Absolutely. So I, think, wanna... I think the last thing that we really want to talk about uh, moving forward is is just the uh, the Kansas City game. Yes. Kansas City game and what we're feeling about that. So going into this Kansas City game, I thought the Broncos had a lot of confidence to, to, to play off of coming out of the Cardinals game. And then this whole Chad Kelly mess probably put a little bit of a damper on the team's mentality. So I, yeah. that certainly doesn't help. But what I mean, what do you what do you expect coming into this game? Well, you know, I, I thought we played a great game, a really a great defensive game for at least three quarters against Kansas City. Uh, what, a few weeks ago when uh, Mahomes brought him back and they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter and just broke our hearts. Um, and now and now we got to go to their place. Uh, I, it, it is a incredibly tall order for me to, even a, in the most optimistic mindset, to think we're going to go in there and beat those guys. Um, I said it to you, uh, at least off the air, I don't know if I said it on the air, but Mahomes, to me, looks like a young John Elway, but maybe a better version of John Elway. He he's amazing. Yeah, he does. Look uh, very horrible. very difficult to, to to contain. So you know, and when we talked about the Chiefs game a few weeks ago, I think we all said, look, if we can get some real pressure on Mahomes, we've got a chance. Well, we put a lot of pressure on him. Now we couldn't, but we couldn't put a hand on him. He's slippery. He's quick. He moves. He throws on the run like there's nobody's business. So. Um, what do I think is going to happen? I don't think we're going to win that game. Um, I hope we keep it close, but I don't. Uh, if I had to pick, I think we're going to lose 28, uh, call it 28 to 10. I don't think it'll be close. Gotcha. I, I don't think it's going to be that much of a blowout. Uh, I think I think you have to take into consideration divisional games. Divisional games are very rarely that much of a blowout. Um, teams know each other, even even when it's – you know, even when it is a superior team playing a inferior team, teams within divisions know each other. That's why, that's why one of the teams that beats uh, that beats New England most frequently is within their own division. Part of that obviously plays into the fact that they play each other more frequently. But that's a double that's a double thing. They have more opportunities, and in addition to that, they have more opportunities to learn what they do, learn tendencies, learn how the how the people play. They see it more frequently. I do not think it's going to be that much of a blow. I'm not necessarily predicting a Broncos victory uh, because we let it go in Denver when we had the opportunity. So winning in Kansas City is going to be much, much more difficult. But I don't think that it's going to be an absolute – I mean an absolute blowout like that. I just I just think that the talent there is better than that. Uh, and we've already shown this year that we have, we have at least the talent to beat them 
uh, even even if it didn't necessarily pan that pan out that way in the end. Um, if I were to predict, gosh, I don't, I hate predicting anymore. Um, if I were if I were to predict, um, I think we're one of the only teams in the NFL this year that has shown that we can at least somewhat contain uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. We didn't completely stop them, of course. But to a certain degree, at least through th- three quarters, contain them pretty heavily. Um, I would predict more of like a I would predict like a twenty four seventeen Chiefs victory if I were to put it on the line there. And you just did. Thank you for that. You were you were squirming and trying to weasel out of that, but you came up with a number. Good job. <laughs> it you was came scary. Up with a number. <laughs> it was scary. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I just think the Broncos are a better team, and playing it within division almost always results in closer games. Almost always. Well, and he, he, here's the final thing I would say in the Broncos' favor. I think this game has much clearly has much more meaning for the Broncos than the Chiefs. Uh, arguably, this is the season for the Broncos. They go in there and beat the Chiefs. It's huge. Yeah. Now they're four and four. They're four and four at the midway point with a ton of momentum. Yes. And wind at their back. Chiefs can afford to lose this one they do, uh, and at they, home. Broncos do, uh, they and especially uh, to add to that uh, motivation, I would say, to add to that motivation, the Broncos uh, would have or do have a pretty tough schedule. They have Kansas City, um, and then we have to play Houston Texans, which is not terribly scary, but Houston Texans. L.A. Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati yep. Bengals. So it's a yep. pretty, pretty, pretty rough gauntlet of games there. Um, right. If you come out of Kansas City with a loss, it may be looking pretty grim to turn the turn the season around. I think this is a week well, that you do have to turn yeah. the city around or turn the season. I around. agree. Speaking of grim, I'm going to have to bow out. As always, great podcast. Of I hope our listeners enjoy this as much as we do. Last thing I do want to say to you, Kevin is uh, Broncos filled their roster spot when Chad Kelly was released with none other than wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. No! No! (laughs) That's exactly what my reaction was. Oh, oh my goodness. All right, on that note, I'm going to have to hang up. We we have to get out of this. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, From Kevin, from myself, hopefully we will be reporting back with a victory, even if we did predict otherwise. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week.